All right. Well, good morning, everybody. Hey, my name's Clayton. I'm the pastor at Central, and I'm glad you guys are here with us. If you're a guest, I'm just pumped that you're here um, this morning. If, if you're, whether you're a first-timer or a long-timer, you can take out your phone or your iPad or whatever. You can scan the QR code right there and follow along um, with today's uh, message. So you can do that right now if you'd like to. But uh, we're going to continue in a series called, called Base Camp. Um, and just to recap a little bit. Over the, the last several weeks, we've been talking through these, uh, these kind of, these base camps that are really important in like a journey in life, and we talked about theological base camps of like creation, and what you believe about creation is really, really important, and then we talked about sin and how sin breaks us, and we are messed up because of that, and if you remember, we dropped a pot here on the stage, and it just shattered everywhere, and it was an illustration of your life apart from a saving grace with Jesus. And then the third week, last week, we talked about redemption and how redemption is where Jesus comes in, he swoops in, and he rescues us and saves us because of his blood shed on the cross. But also, the Bible talks about how he gives us freedom because we are, in essence, captives to sin. And so we had someone up on stage with handcuffs on, and we talked about how you are literally a slave to your sin and how Jesus has the key and he releases you from um, that, that slavery. Well, this week we're going to kind of wrap it all up and finish with our final uh, base camp. And a couple days ago, my family and I, we traveled to Falls Creek camp um, down in, in southern Oklahoma. And man, I'm a, so I'm a, I'm a Baptist preacher in Oklahoma now. And so, man, I guess I should go to Falls Creek. I've never been before. So uh, I went to Falls Creek and checked it out, and it was incredible. It was awesome. Caitlin, who was up here singing, she was actually up on stage uh, with a band singing at Falls Creek with like 7,000 students. It was insane. It was amazing. And uh, we got to go and experience all that. But it was a long day because we drove there that morning and spent the day there, and then we drove back after worship on Friday night. And so it's like a three-hour drive. We didn't leave till about 1030. And so... Man, it was, it was rough. You know, it's like, you know what? You just want to get home, sleep in your own bed. You know how it is. And you're just like, okay, we're just going to stop multiple times, and we're going to just get some coffee, and we're just going to keep going. And I'm like pounding sunflower seeds, trying to stay awake, you know? And so when you get to, like in, in a journey like that, you know when, where the end is, don't you? I mean, you know how far you are away from your house and how long it's going to take for you to get there. And after that last stop, you're like, you know what, we're just going to go on. We're just going to hit it and we're not stopping again. Everybody just hold it. We'll, we'll make it home. And you just got to get there. But how many of you guys like to take shortcuts? Come on. All you dudes, it's Father's Day, okay? So we're guys in this room, a lot of us like to take shortcuts. And when we um, don't know where we are, Men, what do we do? We pretend like we know what's going on, you know? So we're not gonna, we're never gonna say, you know what, I'm just lost, I don't know where I'm at. But a lot of us like to take shortcuts in our journey. You know what, I see that road, it looks like it's going the right direction, I'm gonna take that, I think it'll save some time. Well, in this life, in this journey that we're all on, every single one of us, whether you're a Christ follower or not, you're on a journey in this life. And you can't take shortcuts on this journey. And this last base camp that we're going to be talking about today is something that you can't take a shortcut with. So today, what we're going to talk about is something that changes your life. And if you don't get this, if you don't wrap your, your mind around this, 
it will affect the rest of your life. You see, today we're going to be talking about the last base camp, and it's all about the end times. Be pretty cool. Thinking about what's going to happen at the end. A lot of us really get into all of that. But I was, you know, I was thinking about how many of you guys have seen that Top Gun movie? You know? Awesome movie. It was kind of crazy because I've seen the old Top Gun movie several times, and so when you watch it again, you kind of know how it's going to end. Like, Goose is going to die. It's just going to be sad, you know? And, uh, you know, it's, that's how it's going to go. And, but when, when you watch a movie for the very first time, you don't know how it's going to end, do you? And so I'm watching that in the new Top Gun. I'm like, what's going to happen to Maverick? Like, is this the end? I mean, he's an old dude now. Like, what's going to happen to him? And so you just don't know. And so there's this, there's this tension throughout the entire movie. How many of you guys like to read books and you turn to the last page at the beginning? Anybody do that? Noah does that. Let's just get to the point. You know what I'm saying? So let's, let's go and let's just figure it out at the end. But what happens when you read a book like that, you, it changes how you read the rest of it. When you've already seen how it's going to end, it changes the way that you read it. How many of you guys like to record sports games, like a football game or whatever? When you, when you, <laughs> when you have it recorded and you're not going to watch it till later, you avoid society. You know what I'm saying? Like there's, like you, there's no social media going on. Like people come in the room, someone calls you, and the first thing you say is, I haven't watched it yet. Don't tell me. Don't tell me. My, my father-in-law does it all the time, and I like to tell him, like, man, it's a crazy game. You're going to love it, you know. Like the Sooners, it's, ooh, it's a tough one, you know. And so it just it changes how you watch the game if you have already know how it's going to end, doesn't it? And so you don't want to see how it ends. Well, today that's what we're going to talk about is kind of the ending of it all. And if we know how it's going to end, it'll change how we live our life right now. The problem is, is that for a lot of us in our culture, and when we talk about the end times, what people immediately think about is like those, those crazy like TV preachers. Those dudes that are trying to sell something, like they're trying to sell some like end times, like prayer cloths or like a, a bucket of food, you know, stuff or whatever. And like if you go and watch those guys and they're talking about how, hey, the world is going to end. And they always prophesy about and they predict when the, the end time is going to happen. And so they're like, you know what, I've read Revelation. I know it's been around for like 2,000 years, but man. I've got this special message from God. You know it's going to be September 12th, 1987 or whatever, right? And so that happens, that day comes, and the world doesn't end. Like, oh, wait, wait, you know, i got a new revelation from God. It's going to be like actually next year, and make sure you send your money in and all that kind of stuff. And, and every culture has, and every generation has experienced people who think that they have this special, like, knowledge of how the end times is going to, to finish out and, like, when it's going to happen, but here's what the Bible says about this. Look at this, this scripture in Matthew. In fact, Jesus, here's what he says about the end of everything. He says this, no one knows the day or hour when these things will happen. Not even the angels in heaven or the son himself. Only the father knows. He says this, when the son of man returns, it'll be like it was in Noah's day. So he gives these examples and says, in those days before the flood, everybody was laughing at Noah, Right? Before the flood, the people, they were enjoying banquets and parties and then weddings right up to the time Noah entered his boat. And he goes on and says this, people didn't realize what was going to happen until the flood came and they swept them all away. That is what is going to be like when the Son of Man comes. He gives another example. He says, two men, they'll be working together in the field and one will be taken and the other left. And, or two women will be grinding flour at the mill and one will be taken and the other left. 
And he goes on and says, so you too, you must keep watch. For you don't know what day your Lord is coming. Understand this. The homeowner knew exactly when a burglar was coming. He would keep watch and not permit his house to be broken into. You also, you must be ready all the time. For the Son of Man will come when you least expect it. So if that's true, and I'm telling you what, it's Jesus' words, and so I believe it. I believe that it is true. If that is true, then what in the world are we supposed to talk about today? If we don't know when it's going to end, we don't know what's going to happen, what should we talk about? Well, almost every book of the Bible talks about the end times in some form or fashion, some more than others. But when you hear the word end times, what book are you thinking about? Revelation, okay? There's no revelations. Say it's revelation, just a little hint there. But revelation, right? You always think about the book um, of revelations. But I'm telling you what, that book is crazy. There's a lot of chapters. There's a lot of stuff packed into that. It's, it's too long, honestly, for us to talk about it um, here today. We could spend an entire year talking about it. Some of you guys would probably like that if I did that. Some of you guys would go off to something else. You'd be bored. We're not going to do that today. I mean, some of, there's, an enti- there's entire like seminary courses just on that book. There's entire books written about Revelation. There's so much information out there and so many different interpretations about it. Like how in the world are we supposed to wrap our minds around that? Well, here's something I realized about our culture. We don't want to know all that. Like we just need to know the facts. You know, just quit messing around, quit beating around the bush. Just tell me what I'm supposed to know, you know? And one of the things we love in our culture is we love, we love TED Talks. You know what TED Talks are? You go online, you can watch these, these videos of people who are giving just these, these short kind of speeches about, about something, about a topic. And so buckle up. Here's what we're going to do. I'm going to give you the TED Talk in Re- of Revelation in five minutes. Y'all ready? Here we go. So, John is the last living disciple, and he's banished to a prison island in the ocean. And he gets this vision from God, and it's a revelation of the end times. Now, this revelation is not, it's not a, it's not a narrative. It's an apocalyptic writing, just like a lot of Old Testament writings are apocalyptic or they're prophetic. And they're talking about, and they use symbolic language to describe things that are going to happen. And so in the Revelation, there's symbols and there's images. And in those, it's meant to be used to draw out a deeper meaning of Scripture. Instead of just telling you exactly what's going to happen, it gives you these symbols for you to interpret. Like in some of the symbols, like are the, the number seven. The number seven is a, is a very important word. Uh, number written throughout the book of Revelation because that's this deep meaning of completeness. There's also other symbols like a golden lampstands, like seals and trumpets and bowls. And then you get into some crazy things like beasts and, and dragons and you have these crowns and battles and weapons and a lake of fire. And honestly, it's the reader's responsibility to take these symbols and to, and to use them to draw out conclusions using scripture. And let me say this up front, Revelation, it's not, a, it's not some like secret code about the timing of the end of the world or like literal snapshots of what it's gonna look like. It is prophecy and it is prophetic. So here's how Revelation goes down. It begins with 
these seven letters to these seven churches, these early New Testament churches. And they're written by Jesus himself as a word of warning and encouragement to them in the middle of their apathy, in the middle of their persecution by the Roman Empire. And actually, they're letters to us as well to learn from them. And then John sees himself in the throne room of God. And he has this vision of God's throne up in heaven. And in that, in that throne room, there are, there are creatures and there are angels and elders. And there's this, this scroll that cannot be opened. It has these wax seals on it. And everybody's lamenting that the seal cannot be opened. No one can open it except the lamb that was slain. Jesus himself shows up and he's the only one that can open this scroll and usher in the end of the world. So you have these seven seals, you have these seven trumpets, and you have these seven bowls. And basically, they're, they're bringing a warning to the nations that you need to repent and turn back to God. But the Bible says that just like the Pharisees, or sorry, the, the, um, the, the Pharaoh's heart was hardened in the book of Exodus, the people will be the same way. They will not turn back to God. So the book of Revelation shifts to the people of God and says, hey, here is your mission. Your mission is to be like Jesus to the world and to love them in the middle of persecution. And the prayer is that people will turn back to God. Now that gets us about halfway through the book and then it gets crazy, guys. It gets, it gets nuts. The rest of the book is describing a beast and a dragon and they're fighting against God and, and God's people and, and it describes how everything is going to end. And you have some things and there's some other images like the mark of the beast, which is 666. And the Bible says it's going to be on people's foreheads and people's hands. And that's actually one of the things that we misinterpret the most about Revelation because, see, it's not talking about literally getting a tattoo on your, on your hand or your forehead. What it's talking about is going all the way back to Deuteronomy chapter 6 and it's the Hebrew Shema where people would actually put scripture on their forehead in these little boxes or on their hands. And they were, it was a way of, of giving your total allegiance to God. And they would, the Bible says in Deuteronomy 6, that we're supposed to teach our kids to do the same thing, to give their total allegiance to God. And the Bible's saying, hey, at the end of, the, end of the everything, people aren't gonna do that. They're gonna turn and, and give their total allegiance to the enemy and to someone other than Jesus. And so you have Jesus, he comes in victory in this, on this white horse. And it's this amazing depiction of Jesus coming. And he's calling the world to repentance. And there's this, this final judgment. And you, have, you honestly have, you have two choices. You can either follow Jesus and live, or you can follow the beast and the dragon and you will suffer defeat. And everything comes to head in this final battle called Armageddon. The dragon of the beast versus Jesus and his army. And, and when Jesus shows up, he already has blood on his, his white robe because that is his blood from his sacrifice for us on the cross. And the only weapon he has is the word of, of his mouth, which is justice. And he holds everyone accountable and he judges them. And those who follow him, they'll reign with, with him. And those who do not follow him will be condemned to hell. And so then after all of that, all that craziness happened, there is this final vision of a new heaven and a new earth. And God makes all things new. Everything that was broken, he fixes. He fixes our relationship with him. He fixes this earth. And there's perfect harmony and there's this perfect peace. And this is God telling us how it's all going to end. And basically he's saying this, in the end, I am going to show up. And I will have you on my mind. So, to sum up Revelation, 
it's not just, it's not just a, a prophecy, but it's also a promise that God gives us. And honestly, it should, it should motivate us to remain faithful to God in the, in, the, in the middle of craziness as Jesus returns someday. But honestly, it's easy to get like, caught up in, in all of the numbers and the symbols and the fantastical creatures and what does all of this mean? You know, someone once, once, once said, you know, it's, it's like uh, you've missed the forest for the trees. And what that phrase means is that you've, you've missed like the big picture, the bigger picture, because you're so focused on some of the, the minor details. And so when you read Revelation, you got to remember this. It's not some like secret code for you to decipher, to decipher and figure out when Jesus is going to return. It's not that. It's this symbolic vision of the fact that Jesus will return in victory. And he is going to defeat the enemy and he's going to make all things new. So that's it. Revelation, right? As simple as you can get it. Now, I get there's probably a lot of questions. You're like, wait, what about that? You forgot about that. Okay, I get it. That was just a simple synopsis of what the book of Revelation is all about. And so, so I, was, I was thinking about this. What's the point? Like, why did God give John that revelation? And why did he choose for us to, to know that and to reveal those, those things for us? And like, what is, what is the big deal for revelation? Why do we need to know all of those things? And then it came to me, like I had this aha moment. Anybody have those aha moments? Anybody like to play Wordle? Anybody? Man, so my, so my family, we play Wordle a lot and we like post it on this family chat thing. And, uh, you know, just make sure that we're not a bunch of losers and we actually get the word, right? Well, the other day, like, there was just a word I couldn't figure out, you know. I'm just sitting there figuring it out. And, and Holly and I, we're, we're, uh, we're on the same chat, but, like, it's, it's competition time, you know. And so I've asked Holly several times, like, can you help me out, you know. And she's like, mm, you're on your own, buddy. And so, uh, you know, I'm, I'm sitting there, like, just staring at this word, and I cannot figure out, like, how to, like, okay, that can't be that, it can't be that. There's, there's not a word that exists for that, for that space. Like, what is going on? And then sometimes you put it away for a little bit, come back to it, and there's just like this, ah, that was easy. That was like the simplest word, and I I didn't know it until I had this aha moment. And honestly, I've kind of had this aha moment about the book of Revelation, and I wanted to just read a scripture that kind of sums up this aha moment. 1 Corinthians 15, which talks about the end times a lot. It's one of those passages. It says this, if our hope in Christ this is only for this life, then we are more to be pitied than anyone in the world. I realized something by reading this. The yeah, Revelation is obviously a warning to people who are, who are lost. In fact, if you read Revelation and you don't have Jesus in your life, man, it's a scary book because it doesn't look good for you. Your future is bleak. So not only is that a warning, it is also, it's hope. It's hope for us. It's like a gift of hope to people who have a relationship with Jesus. And so this morning, here's what I want to do. I just want to take a few moments and just give you like two ways that the book of Revelation, the end times, is is hope for us. First one is this. The end times offers hope for our souls. It offers hope for our souls. And the way it does this, the way the, the Bible does this, the way the end times does this is through, through a promise. In fact, the Bible says this in Hebrews chapter 6. 
It says this, so, so God has given both, get this, his promise and his oath. And these two things are unchangeable because it is impossible for God to lie. Here's what the Bible is saying is you can trust all of God's word because it is God's promise to you. And you know what? Based off of his character, that God is perfect and he is unchangeable and he does not lie, then you can trust everything that's in it. And so it is a promise. Revelation is a gift. It's a promise to you. Whether you are in Christ or not is a promise of what is going to happen. And he goes on and says this, Therefore, we who have fled to him for refuge can have great confidence. Believers in Christ can have great confidence as we hold to the hope that lies before us. This hope is, get this, a strong and trustworthy, and I love this, a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. It leads us through the curtain into God's inner sanctuary. The Bible says that knowing what's going to happen based off of God's word is an anchor for your soul. It is hope for your soul. It is looking into the, the future and finding hope. And what is that hope for our souls? The Bible says that literally you'll have, you'll live for eternity with God, with your spirit, in your spirit. And it'll be perfect. It'll be amazing. And it's hope that at the end of this life here on this earth, there's more to come. That is a great hope to live for. And if we didn't know that, like just imagine you didn't have revelation. You didn't know how things were going to end. It would be scary and confusing, especially the older you got in life. It'd be scary not knowing what's going to happen to you. But God promises us that he will, he will show up at the end and he'll make things new. And that there's still a future for you, which is pretty awesome. So in the middle of your, your tough days, when you're anguished in your soul, you know those, you know what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about just kind of having a bad day. I'm talking about devastating days and seasons in your life. God is saying, hey, there's still hope. I've got you. I win at the end. You can trust me. You can trust me with everything because I don't lie. I don't change. And I've given you a promise. There's hope for our souls because of the end times, what we know about it. There's also hope for something else. The end times also offers us hope for what's broken. Hope for what's broken. I'm telling you what, there's a lot of stuff broken in this world, isn't it? I don't know about you, but the older I get, the more my body is like, just falling apart. It's really kind of frustrating because I want to pretend like I'm still young. I mean, I, I do, but like, what is the deal? Every morning when I wake up, I get out of bed and like everything is just like popping, like all my joints, like what is going on? And so I'm trying to like sneak out of the room so I don't wake up Holly, my wife, and, and, and like it's just like pop, pop, my ankle's like pop, 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 <laughs> it's just crazy. Like what is going, I don't, I don't realize what's going on, but then, then, I, then I figure something out. Every single one of us, in this room, whether you're young or old, your body is, is dying a slow death. That's what's happening. And all, seriously, that, that's literally what's going on. And for, for some of us, we understand that more than others. And uh, thank God, God for modern medicine today, you know what I'm saying? So it's, it's tough. It's a rough life here on this earth. And things are broken. But here's what the Bible says at the end, what's going to happen even to our bodies. Here's what it says. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. No, that's not it. Go back. All right. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain, 
And all these things are gone forever. I love that. The Bible says that, you know what? All the junk that you're going through, all the pain, all the hurt, all the betrayal, it's all going to go away. All the problems you have, all the cancer, all the death, all the destruction, all the wars, everything that is bad in this life will go away. There'll be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. It says all those things are going to be gone forever. The Bible says that you and I will receive, if we're in Christ, a physically resurrected, perfect body that has no pain. Now, that is awesome. You know, like, you might have, like, checklists or, like, or wish lists of, like, what you want, want your body to look like, you know? You know, think about that. Like, I'd like to be this old and this tall or whatever. And, you know, I don't know what's going to happen then, but the Bible says we will have these perfect bodies with no more pain. That is great hope for us, that he will fix what's broken. But not only that, he'll fix a broken world. Here's what this other scripture has to say. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the old heaven and the old earth had, had disappeared. So evidently, the heaven we have now, the earth we have now, that is going to be renewed. It's going to be fixed. There's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. And it says, and the sea was also gone. And, and I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven like a bride beautifully dressed um, for her husband. And it goes on to say this. I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, this is, this is pretty awesome. This is probably the best part of all of it. Look, God's home is now among his people. And he will live with them and they will be his people. God himself will be with them. What it's saying is that God will make all things new and he will be there. And he will be there for us. That's pretty amazing. That everything that's broken in this world will be fixed. I can't explain that. I can't... You can't try to fathom what that's going to be like, but God has the power to do that, and he's promised that he is going to do that. And he kind of gives us a glimpse in his word of what that's going to be like. I've actually found this in Isaiah chapter 11. This is a crazy passage, probably the craziest passage of the whole day, okay? Here's what the Bible says. In that day, okay, someday, this is crazy. The wolf and the lamb, they will live together. That's weird. The leopard will lie down with the baby goat, and the calf and the yearling will be safe with the lion, and a little child will lead them all. Okay, whatever that means. Okay, um, the cow will graze near the bear, and the cub and the calf, they will lie down together, and the lion will eat hay like a cow. It's kind of weird. And it goes on and says this, the baby, man, the baby, it's going to play safely near the hole of a cobra. Yes, a little child will put its hand in a nest of deadly snakes without harm. And describes this is, what the, this is what's going to happen at the end. Meaning that there's no strife. There's no division. There's no, like, destruction or death or hurt or pain. Everything is perfect and new. Nothing will hurt or destroy in all my holy mountain. For as the waters fill the sea, so the earth will be filled with people who know the Lord. And that is a great illustration of what it's going to look like. So what does that mean for you? What does it mean for me? What does it mean for us? I think it means that when we're discouraged about this life, have hope. Have hope that God's in control. Have hope that he wins in the end. So no matter what you're going through, you can rest on this promise that God is gonna make everything new. I can't describe to you all the things that are gonna happen there's so many different interpretations of the book of Revelation, the end times. And honestly, it's not our jo job, Jesus says, for us to figure it all out. It's our job just to trust him, that he has everything in his hands. 
and on his mind and on his heart is you, even in the end of everything. So no matter how you interpret Revelation, it's all about God giving us hope. And each of these base camps we've been going through, honestly, they're actually just giant big pictures of theology. Theology is knowing about God and understanding, studying about God. And so we've had these things like we've had creation. We've talked about creation. We've talked about sin. We've talked about redemption. We've talked about the end times. And all those things are really, really important. But here's the deal. It's not just about head knowledge. This is not like the Christian life and understanding who God is and who we are. It's not just knowledge. It's, it's more than just knowledge and understanding. What it's like is like if you're climbing a mountain and you have these different camps that you stop at and you get refreshed and you, and you gain a greater understanding about things and you get the supplies you need uh, and you get equipped to go to the next level, um, it's kind of like that. We're all on this journey. And as we begin to understand more and more about God, what's going to happen is we'll eventually get to this peak of understanding, this new worldview where we're above the clouds. You go through the clouds and you get to the top of the mountain. And when you get out of those clouds, it helps you to see things differently. You begin to see your life differently. When you understand what creation is all about, your life changes. When you understand sin and how it separates you from God and how it breaks you, you see life differently. When you see Jesus who died on the cross to save you from your sins and how he rose from the grave in victory, it changes things. But when you see how the things end at the end of it all, helps you to live with hope. It changes how you live. That's what this is, is all about. And so this, this story of your journey, of our journey, of mankind's journey, is kind of coming full circle. Where you got creation, where everything is perfect. It's amazing the way God intended things to be for us because he loves us. And then somehow man teams up with, with Satan, Right? And messes everything up. And sin enters the picture. And the world that we know it is completely destroyed and, and, just, and just messed up beyond comprehension. But God's plan, let me tell you this, God's plan has always been Jesus. To come and to die and to save you. That's been his plan from the beginning. And Jesus comes and does that. And he sheds his blood to pay the price for your sin. But as we are living for Christ in the middle of this, this era... What's it going to be all like at the end? And God says, I'm going to show up. I'm gonna, Jesus is going to return. And he's going to make all things new, just like it was in the beginning. Everything comes full circle. That is the story of our lives. And when we understand that, things change. That is hope for us to cling to. Can I pray with you for just a moment? Would you bow your heads for just a moment? Let me, let me pray for you. Father, Sometimes in this life, we, um, we chase after things that we think we're going to bring us hope, but they don't. Sin robs us. Sin enslaves us. Anything that we chase after and try to put in the place of you on your throne is, is sinful. We live our lives trying to find meaning and hope, but the word is really clear that hope is only found in Jesus who died for us. And hope is found in knowing what's going to happen in the end. 
we can rest in that. We don't know, understand it all. It's so confusing. But that's not the point. The point, we believe, Jesus, is that you're going to come back and you're going to make all things new and you're going to fix what's broken because you love us. So God, no matter what we're going through, we can trust in you. And I pray that today for anyone in this room who doesn't have a relationship with you, has never confessed their sin, they're still living in it, trying to find hope in it. And I pray, God, that you would convict them today. And they would pray and ask Jesus to come into their life and change them. And they would go and tell someone. And I pray, God, that you would show up and you would change their life. I pray for all of us, God, who are believers, but we find ourselves chasing after other things and we don't find our hope in you. I pray, God, that we would come back to you and trust you, knowing that your word is true and you love us. And Jesus will return in the end to make all things new. Thank you for loving us, God. We pray this in Jesus' name.